Uh, yes, and uh, we're here today on the uh, set of M-Tune-V uh, interviews, and with me today is comedy legend and superstar Bugs Bunny. Give him a hand, folks. You got that wrong, buddy. It's Buster Bunny. Okay, sure sure thing, Buster. <laughs> Getting another joke in already. All right. I can't wait to see where this one goes. If you say um, so, chum. Well, tell me, Buster, what is your proudest achievement? Well, darling, it's actually Babs Bunny, and I'd have to say my proudest achievement is my ears. Uh, okay. Um, do, do, do you think that slapstick still has a place in comedy today? Slapstick? You'd better believe it, bucko. That's how I get most of my laughs. Uh, okay. Um, who, who am I talking to now, exactly? You're talking to Plucky Duck. I see. Well, um... Plucky, what do you see as the next big thing in comedy? I, 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 I'm not sure what to, what to make of comedy these days, really. I just It, it takes all, all of my energy just getting out of the mud every morning. Uh, okay, a duck who lives in mud. I'm, I'm not quite sure where you're going with duck. this, Bugs. No, 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 you're, uh, you're, you're, you're talking to Hampton, Hampton J. Pig right now. Uh, m- maybe this would be a good question. Uh, where, do you, where do you draw inspiration from? If you want me to answer that... You'll have to scratch my back before I scratch yours. Quid pro quo, as it were, Clarice. Um, Bugs, you're you're a little loony, aren't you? Oh, we're all a little loony up in here. <laughs> I hope you didn't mind me just throwing Hannibal in there. Oh, that was good. <laughs> Hannibal's a good character. <laughs> Hannibal, one of the original Looney Tunes. Oh, yeah, what's his? Uh, what's his uh, young ward counterpart? Wait, what do you mean? Like if okay, he was the original Tune Looney Tune? Who's, yeah. I don't know, Kirby? Yeah. <laughs> like, from There Will Be Brawl? Nice. Nice. Yep. Um, I'm not sure how well that hit you. I was pretty I proud of it. that. I thought it was fine. Okay. Um. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. What What did you call the TV station? Uh, M-Tune V, like That's MTV. It's not yeah. so bad. <laughs> I had to think of something in the time it took for us to get ready. Like, in the time it said, took for me to go to the bathroom? No, you were bringing too much <laughs> coffee and no food. I'm gonna I didn't be jittery think of anything during hours. that time. I didn't think of anything during that time. I was just waiting. Like you were like action, and then I'm like, uh, pun. Mm, yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's harder to be the person asking the questions because I can just wait for you to ask another question and just I can work off of your answers, right? Yeah, you have yeah. to come up with them wholesale. Well, I wrote them down ahead of time. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah, but I like it. Um. Anyway, we should introduce ourselves. Yes. Uh, let's introduce ourselves. My name is Ben. And I'm Zane. And this is the Carton Cast. We review old cartoons and see what we think of them as adults. Um, yes, uh, the Carton Cast's been getting laughs since, like, what, July? <laughs> <laughs> I would say around July. God, God willing, people were listening even back then. I'm pretty sure I, <laughs> I don't know, I was laughing at it. I, yeah. I listened to all these episodes, like, two or three times. 
like I'm really enamored with how <laughs> with how they've come along. Um, so <laughs> yes, we're we're all a little loony, but uh, today we're going to be talking about Tiny Toon Adventures. Yes, uh, Taz couldn't make it today, unfortunately. Unfortunately, yes, we we had Tasmania slotted, but it was it was too hard to find him online. We couldn't really figure it out, <laughs> and I hate downloading new. Uh, you know, new software to watch my cartoons. So we yeah, had to do I don't think that was easier. I don't trust any of that. And this is nope. um, this is done in a similar vein. Uh, Tiny Toon Adventures actually was kind of the thing that kicked off the Looney Tunes revival um, in the early '90s. And it, um, you know, Taz uh, kind of came out of that. And so did what was the other one? Like Tweety Bird Mysteries or something weird like that. Was that a thing? Yeah. It was uh, it was known as the Renaissance Age of Animation, following the mm-hmm. Dark Age of Animation, which I will get into a little bit because it's actually really cool. <laughs> um, what's an example of a cartoon from the Dark Age of Animation? You're gonna love this, He Man and the Masters of the Universe. That's kind of what I figured. <laughs> yeah, when you think about like the Looney Tunes having been around, you know, for decades, and then you see the tremendous drop in quality going into He Man. <laughs> Well, it's not so much a drop in quality going into He-Man. It's a rise in quality coming out of He-Man. I see. Um, and, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, just warning for the listeners, um, such as they are, I yes. am a little bit podcasted out from yesterday because I guest segmented on the Talking Nerdy podcast with uh, a friend of a friend. And it was a great old time. I went over to his place. His setup is a lot more expensive than ours. And it was a lot more <laughs> professional despite bullshitting maybe more than we do which is impressive on its own mm-hmm. um but i went there and essentially got to plug my show for like 20 minutes straight so if you guys want to listen to the next episode of the talking nerdy podcast it's really funny to listen to it's I a bunch of people who are way better at improv than we are um and uh almost as into cartoons as we are and Sweet. they they are they are pretty excited for what is going to happen for our twenty fifth seg for our twenty fifth uh, for our silver anniversary. As am I, yeah. And invite some of them on at some point. I would love to. Uh, I'll I'll uh, Alex Gross, the the guy who runs it. Um, he seemed pretty into it, and I feel like uh, feel like he would be pretty into guesting. But we'll see. Great, we'll have to see. Um, um yeah. So anyway, mm-hmm. uh, going into the Tiny Toon Adventures. Yes. Uh, it ran on several channels, starting with CBS in nineteen ninety. Uh, and it aired new episodes and specials until 1994, but continued in syndication until 99. Mm-hmm. Um, it was produced by Amblin Entertainment, Spielberg's animation unit again, uh, until they decided that Animaniacs was a better show and focused on that instead. Which, you know, it's not incorrect. I mean, yeah. Animaniacs is, 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 is fine stuff. And, it's and I think we'll find a lot of parallels characters. between the two shows. It's original characters as well, so maybe they just... Uh, they felt like they had more freedom not having to, to to harp on these, you know, classic characters so hard. Right, right. In in Tiny Toons, I think we'll find um, they, they weren't really sure what their audience was supposed to be. <laughs> um, Animaniacs was a lot more, you know, young adult and, and older crowd sort of thing. It was a lot harder to read them just as pure comedy slapstick. But Tiny Toons felt a lot more, hey... Kids, we know you're not interested in watching anything from your grandparents' age. Here's the same show, colorful. But faster, yeah. more colorful, and with more characters so you don't get bored watching the same person over and over. Right. Um, yeah, this is basically Looney Tunes, but for a new audience, I think. Right. It, and <laughs> Have you know, ever... it's, it's, it's kind of a slam dunk, right? Like, I mean, this is a yeah. sure thing. Looney Tunes mm-hmm. is so incredibly popular that its first revival, you know, it's that sort of sequel 
like necessary sequel money. You just you just get money from being a sequel <laughs> from something extremely popular. You just have a built in audience. Yeah. Um, but I didn't expect it to be as good as it was for yeah. that being its uh, sort of impetus. Have you ever seen the um, the the eventual rebranding of this, like the next sequel called Lunatics Unleashed? What is that like? A Teen Titans Go? Pretty much. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, they all got superpowers. Like, the Roadrunner has, like, super speed. You know, that's actually a really good, uh, that's a really good arc for its, uh, for its animation quality, because, uh, uh... Honestly, it was not bad. No, this, I watched a couple episodes. Really? Uh, I was Lunatics? talking about Teen yeah. Titans Go, because... Teen Titans. <laughs> so, let me, let me, let me get a little bit general for a minute. Sure. Um, this was... Okay, so you have the uh, dark age of animation, which led into this. This was like 80s cartoons that animation wasn't all that prevalent or highly produced because there wasn't that much of a market for it. So Mm -hmm. in order to get a market, you had to really rely on merchandising and PSA moments, hence He-Man and Masters of the Universe and stuff like that. Beautiful stuff. But then it started getting much more prevalent and production of um, the production values kind of went up so you started getting stuff like tiny tune adventures and it led into the renaissance age of animation where renaissance where uh animation was such a it it started like having more hand-drawn stuff they went away from like a limited animation style in favor of really really making these characters look alive and yeah they really pulled out all the stops on that yeah and and thank god we got some of our favorite cartoons this is basically all of the 90s coming out of renaissance age of animation right uh Unfortunately, um, eventually, what with the market crash in like the 2000s and a bunch of other reasons, um, especially like a, a, a flash animation and a higher dependence on commun- computer animated graphics, mm-hmm. um, it led into what is known as the millennium age of animation, which <laughs> has its high points, but it's really the pendulum swinging back this way. It's not Man. as clever. It's a little bit more lowest common denominator. The only time I've ever heard Millennium used as an adjective in a positive way is Millennium Falcon. <laughs> I'm not even certain. That, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of... Uh, what's the opposite of love? Hate. No, that's Come not on, right. Ben. Stay, stay with me. No, that's, that's not right. Whatever the... <laughs> uh, scorn? Nerd scorn? There's a lot sure. of nerd scorn for uh, the Millennium Falcon just because it looks like... It doesn't look like a spaceship should look <laughs> because it's just a bunch of tacked on parts to some model spaceship it looks like the yeah. iron giant when, ben, you uh, need... <laughs> when the when the you know military is coming to investigate and he just slaps a bunch of other garbage onto it so it looks yeah. like he made it ben you need the tachyon parts to travel through time um <laughs> but the uh yeah the the more modern millennial animation it's also much more specialized you know um in terms of its audience. So you can go for a, kind of a darker, more gritty thing. You can go for an absurd kind of wacky thing or for kids. It's it's much more targeted now. They start with a target audience and work from there. Tiny Toon Adventures, I think, did not have that sort of focus and was a bit all over the place because of it. Yeah, well, they had really had a lot of creative license. Like, if you remember the early 90s, there was a bunch of anime that started coming out, right? There's like, mm, yeah. you got your Akira and like a bunch of stuff from Miyazaki and... Mm-hmm. Basically, the Western markets are like, okay, we have to give our our we have to give our companies some creative liberty, or Time anime to is gonna just gonna stomp America flat in terms of animation. I like the idea of 
the United States and Japan like having this sort war. of like animation like space race kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this was our first weapon. Like this was Tiny Teen Adventures was just a loaded pistol right at Japan. Right. This at was our Sputnik. <laughs> Pretty much. And you know when 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 America feels threatened about anything, they'll really they really will step up their game. We had to phrase <laughs> animation as a war, and then we got the, then the animators started you know getting their creative freedom back, and we got a bunch of really really great shows. And it's it makes sense that uh, they this only could really take off once they started giving more freedom to their animators. Um, the idea for this show actually started in the seventies with. Did um, it? Ta- with Tom Ruger, who was responsible for all those uh, Scooby-Doo spinoffs. Oh, okay. Oh, man. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but he, he came up with it. But, but it wasn't, um, yeah, he, it, it didn't really have a place until they were like, yeah, let's let's throw in our best stuff. Go go wild with it. Yeah, they, they, they really put all their eggs in. <laughs> the Easter basket. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so why don't why don't you tell us uh, kind of like what it's about, like what an episode involves? Yeah. Okay. So the overarching plot is that Bugs Bunny's psyche has been taxed to its breaking point by the stresses <laughs> of fame and fortune. Uh, unable to bear the strain of a high-profile <laughs> life any longer, oh, his boy. personality fragments under the stress, giving us the personas of Babs and Buster Bunny. But it doesn't stop there. His every thought, feeling, fear. All of his emotions are given physical form in the mindscape that is Acme Luniversity. Jeez. What do you have to say about that, Zane? <laughs> Pretty good. I can't find any holes in that. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah. <laughs> if you want to give if, your take on it, <laughs> I if, will remain if, quiet. If Tiny Toon Adventures was not directed by Christopher Nolan, <laughs> then what actually happened is it, it wasn't is on HBO. <laughs> it is based on the Looney Tunes franchise, and basically they all have you know young counterparts who learn from them at Acme University in the town of Acme Acres, mm-hmm. where um, they earn their Toon degree, which I guess they learn they how to need. become funny. Do they? Yeah, that's that's the goal. They learn like slapstick and costumes and like. But do they need the degree for a reason? Where are they going to try to get a job after that? Ben, have you ever tried to get a degree getting hit with anvils without like? <laughs> yes. Um, Exclusively. What do you think so, I'm doing in physics grad school? <laughs> so we learn all but, about the time delay between putting an anvil above somebody's head and it going off. Now, is it true that if you don't pay attention to gravity, it stops working? <laughs> that's yeah there's a really there's there's a lot of solipsism involved in uh, <laughs> in, uh, in in physics grad school but uh yeah. yeah this this plot is basically you show up and watch looney tunes be looney tunes in a new setting right right i mean there's there's nothing really that different from when we were watching looney tunes to this it still has the same you know meta humor it still has the same slapstick and dependence on denying the laws of physics for the sake of a bit right which i want to get to a bit later but uh it's with a new art style for a new for a new generation so they were allowed a lot of creative liberties that they didn't have from uh having to stick to the same formula having to watch that same goddamn roadrunner go off that cliff yeah, absolutely. And and because they were able to represent, you know, bodies a lot better, they were able to fit in, like, cameos and modern references, which today seem quite dated. No, they're awesome, though. <laughs> Are they? Yeah. No, they're really good. Are children supposed to know who Ralph Nader is? No. 
No, we're supposed to know, but kids are stupid. <laughs> they don't really care. <laughs> when I was watching this back then, I didn't notice any of the references. My brain just kind of overwrote them, and I was just like, yeah, Hampton's a pig. You know? <laughs> stupid kids Sweet. watching Sweet. Yes, <laughs> pig. Hampton's a pig. Um, yeah, but... Um, did you uh, did you go back and try the uh, Tiny Toon Adventures video game? I didn't go back to do that. Although you you talking about Buster Bust Loose? Yeah, Buster Bust Loose. I uh, I watched a video of it real quick, and the music sounds exactly the same. Like they they really they really did a good job with the music in the game to represent uh, the uh, to represent the show. Yeah, I mean they took the main theme and they're like, yeah, put it through a Western filter, put it through a spooky filter. Uh, in fact, the plots are pretty similar to the first couple episodes of the Tiny Toon Adventures. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> Montana Max stole all the scripts, and Buster and Babs have to get it back. Yeah, I, I played yeah. through a good chunk of it again. It's pretty good. It's not bad. It's a good game. Like those, uh, those, those seesaw puzzles in that, uh, in that one, like Castlevania style keep. <laughs> yeah. I, I I will say it was not as good as the Tasmania game, which is why I was really excited to do Tasmania because <laughs> I also played some of that. Oh yeah, it's it's really. I mean, I don't understand why they don't have that for like an iPhone game. You're just running on a track. You grab a bird. You make some noise. Yeah, it's, it's basically like a temple temple race or whatever it's called. Yeah, it's Temple Run, but temple run, with Taz. Right. Temple Get Run with Taz. Get yeah, just it. Temple Run if your protagonist, if the guy you were controlling is just constantly screaming at you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, nice nice voicing there. <laughs> it's, it's not too bad to do a, a raving madman for me these days. Yeah. <laughs> the distinction blurs a little every day, Zane. <laughs> um, but yeah, speaking of Taz, uh, let, you want to talk about the characters? Yeah, so most of the characters are. Do just... you guys know Looney Tunes? <laughs> are <laughs> you guys you aware of Looney Tunes? <laughs> of one Bugs Bunny and a Mr. Daffy Duck. And... <laughs> Consider if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, what's his face? Hamtaro. <laughs> no, <laughs> not uh... quite. <laughs> Porky Pig. But um... those are the main four characters, is just uh, legacy characters. Mm-hmm. Basically, like, uh, actually, like the nephews of all these um, iconic sort of characters from Looney Tunes, and actually most of the characters are, are referential in some way, and either they either follow exactly their personality in the case of you know Roadrunner and Coyote, or like kind of this weird inversion, like for Elmira. Yeah, um, I was really surprised. I never linked that Elmira was this weird inversion Elmer of Elmer Fudd. Yeah, Elmira Duff. Yeah. Um, but aside from the four main characters, everyone else is pretty much like legacy need a personality. Yeah, like single adjective personality with like some jokes from their predecessors thrown in. Yeah, there's definitely some Texan hamster going on here. Yeah, and then each episode, like the ep- after a few episodes, I noticed like a lot of the similarities. Like each episode is a different combination of characters with a couple new references thrown in. That's true. Yeah, uh, I, essentially, it's done well. Not a character-driven well. show. This them. is a plot-driven show. Yeah. Because the characters are all very... Like, even Babs and Buster are just different aspects of Bug's personality, which I didn't find Bug's personality all that engaging. It was okay. Like He I thinks never it's written... all that engaging. <laughs> but you're not. It's... I don't know. I, I liked it. 
I like yeah. Bugs, but it really wasn't about Bugs when I was watching him. It was about the slapstick that he set up and him getting the best of the getting the best better of uh of uh Elmer Fudd and uh Daffy Duck. Right. And um and so Bugs is split into the two leads, uh Buster Bunny and Babs Bunny. Right. Where Buster is no relation. His, uh his cool collected um, you know, tricking the bad guy sort of persona, you know. If if mm-hmm. If if at times bugs could wear shades, uh, Buster is when he does it. Um, perhaps serendipitously, yesterday they put up a video on Cracked that discuss oh. that discussed how um, Bugs Bunny is actually transgendered and bugs get and that's why bugs gets two you know small counterparts, one male and one female, which show his two main sides. What, what's the connection here to Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Because I definitely feel like I keep on seeing Bugs and or Babs in that Jessica Rabbit getup. Yeah, I think that's just referencing Roger Rabbit. I'm pretty sure there was it's some right there. developers on it. Yeah, it seems the kind of thing that you could easily get like copyright allowance for. Because they'll yeah. be like, you copied our idea. And it's like, well, you kind of copied ours from 50 years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm going to look it up real quick. Cartoon yeah. Wabbit Seasons. Immediately auto-completes as Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which I've never <laughs> seen, surprisingly. Yeah, still haven't. Yeah, we gotta do that, man. That'll be a good one to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't recognize any of these names, but that's just because I... What year was Roger Rabbit? Um, It was 1988, so it definitely preceded okay, this. right before then. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I'm pretty still, sure there was some... Uh, oh, yeah. it says Dennis... Disney Renaissance. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's pretty there you cool. Go. Um, so Buster Bunny is voiced by Charles Adler, whom we've seen before as Ickes. Yes. Which, uh, and, yeah, it, it's it's a very similar voice, and I'm happy to see him again. Yeah, and Babs Bunny is Tress McNeil. So we're, we, we've yep. seen these guys before. They're proven Everyone effective. else is either Rob Paulson or Maurice LaMarche, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know, Bugs... I love looking at the Wikipedia page for all these voices because uh, it, it, all of these all of these different voice actors are like highlighted from me having clicked their links before. I'm like, oh, good, I oh, have yeah. something to talk about. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, what did good. you think of of Buster and Babs? You said like they were different aspects of his personality. I was wondering if you could go a little further into that. Um, I can't go much further into that. Like, uh, it's. It's supposed to be like Buster is the cool collected one, and Babs is sort of the zanier one, and more of the transgender transgender uh, uh, facade, I guess. Which I, I don't know. I don't know if uh, if you feel this way. I actually prefer Babs to Buster. I don't feel that way. I actually really like Buster. Well, for me, their main difference, joke wise, is that like one's a stereotypical male and one's a stereotypical female. But Babs just has a lot more variety in terms of like roles she can play and voices she can do. Well, that's because she's the zany personality, right? Right. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I just like his voice better. Maybe I just like Charlie Adler's voice better. And there's, like, a limit that I can reach for zany personalities. Um, So, (laughs) yeah. I like a character who doesn't have to rely on that silliness, like, oh, everything is bonkers, you know? Right. Well, that's why I like... That's why I um, preferred Babs, actually, because she was wacky but it was usually in like different different uh, different directions you know it mm-hmm. wasn't just random absurd stuff like uh, go go dodo did 
We will, we will have to talk. Let's talk about Go Go Dodo really quick because <laughs> minor character, but incredibly amusing. I I actually really hated him when I watched him again. I'm just like, this is so stupid. This is just yeah. insanity for insanity's sake. But he's adorable. I loved him as a kid. I want a little plushy. <laughs> he's got a little stupid umbrella coming out of his face. Yeah, <laughs> or I guess out of the top of his head. But I like saying things coming out of people's faces. Nice face is a good word. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a little bit uh. A little bit out of it here. Uh, I really liked him as a as a kid. Just the insanity yeah. character because I'm just like, yeah, this is what humor is. This is the yeah. this is the, it's not, the omega of humor. But it's not sustainable. No, it's not, and it just doesn't that that uh that appealing to a absurd sense of humor really goes away. The uh the older you get, you start yeah. to appreciate like more subversive humor, which is really where Buster shines. I think. Yeah. Well, Gogo was a side character. Um, let's finish out the main he cast. Was. Yeah, that's fine. Um, um, so there was Babs and Buster. Did you want to talk more about them? Uh, they have no relation to each other. <laughs> no. They're not really... They... So are they supposed to be like brother and sister? Or are they supposed to be like boyfriend, girlfriend? Uh, it's... Kind of goes know. back and forth between both. And I don't it's think they're weird... brother... They're not brother and sister. They, they're very much stressed that they've got belligerent sexual tension in the way that rabbits do. Right. Uh, but they also... Don't they live in the same hole or something? There's really I'm not quite there's sure something what's going really on strange them. about how Looney Tunes treats lust. Like all their character. Do you remember like that wolf that just constantly shows up in a bunch of random tunes that just his jaw drops to the floor and he starts howling? Oh, Dick howling? Wolf. Yeah, Dick Wolf. Isn't that his name? With like yeah, an e at the end. He went on to make Law and Order. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh... Yeah, the the eyes come out of his face, and then he eats a bomb and explodes. Yeah, or his like tongue will like loll along the ground, and then it'll like roll back up like fruit roll ups, and he'll do a you know he'll do one of those jo- dogs scratching his hindquarters thing with his legs, and just ow ow ow. Yeah, men are pigs. Yeah, exactly. And every male Wolf character pigs. does that in Looney Tunes, depending on the situation. Right. It's I don't know. This is a pretty weird way to treat lust for a kid <laughs> for a kid's show. Right. Like. There's a lot of like times where Babs will dress up as like a uh, as some diva who's mm-hmm. supposed to be sexy, like just clearly ripping off Jessica Rabbit, <laughs> <laughs> and just like to sultry music. It seems risque for a children's show nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Def- I mean, it definitely is. Mm. I guess I don't have much much else to say about that. It was just you know a different facet of referential humor. Which, by the way, we're gonna get into it with tone and genre, but this. Man, when they give when they give animators creative liberty, when they give writers creative liberty, you can just expect like eight hundred references in the same <laughs> show. <laughs> Sometimes an entire episode will just be an, a reference. And it's it's really really appealing to watch now that I know where they're from. I I like them less, man. Because if I, if I'm watching Bugs Bunny, you know he's jumping around and dropping from planes and using a whip and getting cool treasure and stuff it's not like oh it's a reference to indiana jones i'm just gonna go watch indiana jones <laughs> but if i didn't know who indiana jones was it's really cool it's like oh i've never seen this before and it's one of one of the cool characters like maybe that's why i liked it a lot just because i'm remembering how i how i remembered them as a kid when i like was awake because i was awakened to indiana jones and citizen kane from tiny toon adventures i wasn't awakened to them by <laughs> watching those movies right i think this is where 
you find out what the important cultural touchstones are, but then they don't provide you with any guidance for finding them. Yeah, it's it's sort of like a uh, it's sort of like in Harvey Birdman where it's you know here's all of Hanna Barbara, you're welcome, but instead of Hanna Barbara, we get all of pop culture from the last fifty years. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a little busier than that. It would have been nice if they wore some name tags. It <laughs> wouldn't have been bad. Um, did you want to talk about uh, Plucky or Hampton? Plucky, Plucky Duck. My is, favorite um, character is Plucky because... Really? Well, by virtue of being a duck, of course. <laughs> of course, sure. And uh, I assume your favorite character is Hampton by virtue of being reasonable? He is so reasonable. <laughs> he just wants everyone to play nice. But he's just such a ponce. I can't, I can't enjoy him. <laughs> yeah. Um, Maybe if he had a better Porky Pig stutter, but he's really working on it. So Plucky Duck is voiced by Joe Alasky, who did several of the Looney Tune voices after Mel Blanc retired. Mm-hmm. Like the great Mel Blanc. Yeah. Um, Mel Blanc the Great. And Plucky great is styled... of animation. He's, he's styled after Daffy. Um, and both are yes. grandstanding buffoons, yep. but I, I, but I was watching some of Daffy's old stuff and like Daffy lets the situation make fun of him, but Plucky has to wait for somebody else, like another character to make fun of him. So I find like watching Plucky was this sort of awkward, cringy, sort of annoying self-aggrandizement where with Daffy, like it was immediate the fact yeah. that he was playing himself up so much was directly in contrast with whatever was happening to him at the time. Whereas with Plucky, he's he's building himself up, and then somebody's just like, "Ah, eh, what a maroon." That that's kind of a that's a good point because it sort of brings home it it, it's, it sort of brings up the idea that um, these characters are not well refined in their roles yet, right? Because they're at school for it, right? They they Daffy Duck has it to a form of artistry. Like, if he's in an explosion, his bill will always be on backwards. He has the <laughs> timing down imperfectly. <laughs> like, it just, I really like, I don't know how much of that was planned and how much of it was just kind of happy accident that it looks as though these characters are less proficient at their roles than their legacy counterparts. Yeah. I mean, if it was planned, it wasn't a good idea to plan it that way because you can't have, like, a meta ironic subplot guiding your entire comedy especially if it's children's <laughs> comedy it's like no, it's like, worse it... so therefore it's better <laughs> i remember writing an essay about comic books and how comics are like the best art form and because they're so expressive and my <laughs> main point was this essay like is not explaining it very well if it were a comic it'd be explaining it better therefore nice. i'm right <laughs> that's that's pretty good the i don't mind that, that it's a bad essay adds to my argument yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, I did think you, therefore did you watch I am. any of the old Looney Tunes uh, in preparation for this? I did not. Um, but I was constantly seeing Wabbit Season, Duck Season, wherever I went. When any, <laughs> whenever I saw an argument, I just imagined it would devolve into Rabbit Season, Duck Season. <laughs> That's how. Anytime, how if you're if you're in a like an organized debate. And somebody, like, your opponent makes the same point without referring to, like, the legitimacy of the point you just made. <laughs> you are obligated to just say, wabbit season. I never thought of it like that, but now I'm going to do nothing less than that. <laughs> That's pretty good. I really enjoyed when the old Looney Tunes made a cameo. I agree. Whenever a legacy character shows up, it always feels really important, like a famous celebrity coming to your hometown, because that's how all the characters treat it. Like, they treat them like idols, like icons. Yeah, and it made me want to watch the old Looney Tune episodes. 
Uh, a little bit. Like, I think I just really like the idolatry with which cartoon characters look up to other cartoon characters. It's yeah, it you is know, it's just a little bit of oh, they're they're kind of like us. It's just kind of cute. I remember I had like a Foghorn Leghorn binge in college. <laughs> oh my god! I just watched an episode where a Foghorn Leghorn shows up, and I was just so excited to see him. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say what I'll say. <laughs> He's amazing. Boy's got more bark than bite. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, watch uh, watch just some old. And that just made me want to watch Futurama for Foghorn the courtroom Leghorn scenes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, Your you, Honor, you... I, my client pleads insanity with what evidence? On account of they hired me for their lawyer. Insanity please sustained. <laughs> yeah, like you really see just how much the Looney Tunes have shaped modern comedy. Yeah, this is like watching Hanna-Barbera for Harvey Birdman. Like you see how how prevalent it is in modern cartooning. The main difference is Looney Tunes still stands up, I think. You don't, yeah, I guess so. I mean, they had a good revival for it, whereas uh, Hanna-Barbera kind of didn't. And I would say even like the old Looney Tunes kind of outshine the Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Absolutely. At least in terms of animation. Although, you know, I'm still in, I'm still in, I'm still in Camp Shaggy. <laughs> That's still going to be my favorite, uh, like my favorite really, really old cartoon. I'm still least. in Camp Space Jam. <laughs> still in Camp Jordan. Yes. It's not a bad camp to be in. You learn how no. to do hoops. <laughs> get get Jordan's special stuff. I got nothing. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you linked it back to Looney Tunes, though. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Space Jam was so good. I will have to watch that again, especially because it reminds me of Barkley's Shut Up and Jam. What a great game. Or Shut Up and Jam Gaiden. What a what an amazing, thought provoking experiment! It's very it's very interesting. Just kind of as a microcosm of the internet. Um, let's run through the rest of the characters, though. Finish I don't them really have anything else on characters like specifically, because yeah. I don't really actually think I like any of the characters, to be honest. Really? Yeah, most of them are very one note, and even the legacy characters that came from one note characters are kind of softer here, like. You know, you have the Tasmanian Devil, and then you have Dizzy Devil. And Dizzy Devil is just kind of boring in comparison, even though they're really the same character. I agree. And I think it's just the... It's a facet of the setting. It's just... It's not as focused on the one-note characters, so they just... Again, they're just kind of cameos. Well, so what I saw was there's this big difference between Tiny Toons and Animaniacs. Um, Mm. where in Tiny Toons, you have all of your characters interacting with each other pretty frequently. Yeah, it's sort of Hamtaro-y. Yeah, whereas in Animaniacs, you know, you have a a two-character segment or a three-character segment. You know, you watch like a five-minute thing where those birds are talking about getting no respect. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I forgot about them. (laughs) Which, you know, I I like that sort of continuity. Those birds are great. um, It felt sort of a... uh, you know, Marvel Comics, all of the superheroes in the world live in New York kind mm-hmm. of thing, where they're just tripping over each other every day. But yeah. it only really works when you break the episodes up into, like, two or three segments rather than those, like, 20-minute long episodes, which were just way too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I appreciated the references that went on the whole time just because they got so much mileage out of them, but I didn't appreciate them as, like, I didn't, like, enjoy watching them. I was just like, wow, they're really getting a lot of mileage out of Citizen Kane here. 
But uh, I think I think yeah. my favorite episodes are the ones where they break them up into segments and then connect them by a theme, like famous movies or like pirate Twilight adventures. Zone. Yeah, Twilight Zone kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I didn't mind it. Yeah, I uh, I do agree. They do, they do tend to go on a little bit too long. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I didn't find the characters all that interesting unto themselves it it didn't felt feel very they didn't feel very organic they felt like they knew when to show up and then just like delivered hey steve you know delivered their catchphrase and then just buggered off but so uh, if you if you weren't a fan of the characters why did you find that you enjoyed the show more upon revisiting it uh i wouldn't say i enjoyed it more i enjoyed it in different ways like I'm I'm appreciating. Okay, so you know how when you you're you're talking about Shakespeare sometimes and you're like you know what is going to happen in the plot. Mm-hmm. You know, it it's obvious like that dinosaur that bug buster is is harboring is going to get chased down by Montana Max. They will win. Bugs will have to say goodbye to him. Everyone will be happy. You know how the plot's going to turn out just like in any Shakespeare thing. Right. And it's not really about watching what's going to happen, but how it's going to happen. So it's sort of like it's sort of like a play, I thought, more than but, other shows we've done. But at the same time, a lot of the jokes they do are the same jokes. Yeah, well, yes, this is Looney Tunes still. So, you know, they'll they'll mutter some pop culture reference under their breath or, you know, make fun of somebody or hit each other with a pie. So it's not like the plots aren't all that different from one another and the characters are the same and one-dimensional and the jokes are pretty much the same running gags. Like, wh- why is this a good show? I don't understand. I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. So I I actually just enjoyed it on, on recollection because of how many references I got. And I know that's a cheap sense of enjoyment where it's just like, yeah, I know what that is. I'm part of this. <laughs> but I did feel it very strongly because now I got all of these things. I don't know. There's some nice, it's some nice closure watching this again. I used to yeah. watch it and be like, yeah, cute character. They're running around. Someone's getting exploded. That's always good. And my appreciation for slapstick has, of course, dwindled. But I don't know. Just seeing everything that they were doing at a new age where I can now appreciate it is uh, is, is kind of refreshing. It's kind mm-hmm. of cathartic. It's like when I would watch American Tale and actually understand, oh, this is why it's a good movie. I understand now. I get themes. Yeah. I so, think yeah, I, I think know. for Tiny Toons, I was a little turned off by it because I realized, like, this is a sort of, like, this script is one that you could put together through, like, some sort of sorting algorithm. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, let's, uh, let's talk about the tone. Yeah. So the tone of the show is both loony and toony. <laughs> yes. Um, it's silly, referential, but sometimes it's actually dark and atmospheric. Yeah, and again, that's a part of the dawning Renaissance age of animation where they just really had creative liberties. Um, some of the, yeah. yeah, it's at at its best. I would say <laughs> it's almost like watching Fantasia um, because you have these sort of large, dark, kind of larger than life plot lines, and uh, like the one I'm thinking of particular is where they go to the center of the Earth because. <laughs> Montana Max stole the gold nugget at the center of the earth and now there's earthquakes. Why not? Sounds o- good. Or the one where like the darkness is eating up all of Acme Acres. Like Oh sure. These sort of beautiful sequences where they sequences. kind of there's like a haunted house thing. Yeah. Where they take advantage of the animation medium and the 
fact that they had a full orchestra. Okay, um, we will and, definitely and it get feels, into the orchestra. It feels a lot like watching Fantasia, but at other times when they go for like, oh, they're playing baseball in this episode. You know, it can be really dull or lowbrow, and like, I don't know. Well, it is low tension. I agree. There's no tension to it, and the plots are so unilaterally conclusive. Like, we always, we always know that Bugs beats Elmer Fudd, that Wiley Coyote gets hurt pursuing the Roadrunner. We always know that. But I did have fun watching how the plots were developed and resolved. Hmm. And I, I don't, I can't really characterize why I did. And I think I just lead it to the fact that it's more like a performance, like more like a play than anything else. You know, yeah. again, full pit orchestra, <laughs> full ensemble cast of characters. You get, you know, Dizzy Devil has first debuted in Broadway when he, you know, they, <laughs> they all just seem like they're putting on a play for me. And when you do it like that. You... I'm picturing a Christmas album, Songs with Dizzy. <laughs> Sing along to your favorites. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, like looking at it as though it's theater instead of a cartoon, I think, yeah. is a little bit easier to do. I do, I do like that aspect of it, that they, they break the fourth wall so often, and oh, they constantly. say like... Hey, listen, that's not how the script goes. Or, you know, what are we supposed to do? Or they cut back to a scene and they're like on their lunch break. So meta meta humor really shines in Looney Tunes and it does so here as well. And I think so, because by this point, you know, it's the kind of thing that you saw in the original Looney Tunes. But um, I think they've played it up more in a very successful way. I think they're just way. very good at it. Like, I've seen meta humor before in the shows that we've done, but it's very skillfully done in this. I agree. I mean, just look um, at the first episode. They're oh yeah, the whole the first episode is a meta the first episode. episode. Yeah, the first episode I think is one of the best. Yeah, I agree. I um, agree. Even though it was like thematically linked, which meant that it wasn't like three seven-minute segments, but it just it it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was I th- just. Sort I think of the- a, you know, Spider-Man was better than Spider-Man Two simply because it's got the origin story deal. I think the quality of the episodes went down a bit as you went on because, like, hey, what can we make fun of today? This okay? Yeah. That's true. And, you know, much like Looney Tunes, you're not really doing anything new with the characters. You're just... Like, how many times is Wiley Coyote going to get blown up and we'll still watch? We keep Every on coming time. back for more for more punishment. So I, um, I've um i been reading this book about how comedy works. I think mm. it's called, like, The, the Humor Code. And okay. this, uh, this professor and this reporter are trying to figure out, like, what makes something funny and what makes jokes. Um, and one of the main theories that they've hit on is what's called the benign violation theory where where a joke has to be both harmless or safe in some way but also needs to violate your expectations in some way so um you know for for example like you said with the uh you know it's it's a plot it's like a theater plot so, in addition to the fact that it's a cartoon, and we know that these aren't real people, they're also putting on a play, so, like, the stakes are even lower. But then the episodes where, you know, there's danger, and there, it actually feels dangerous by virtue of the music or yeah, virtue especially of, the of the atmosphere, that's, those are the best episodes because they're combining the fact, like, oh, it's, it's okay, it's safe, but also, eh, it's kind of dangerous. Yeah, um, like, they sell the tension, Right. Remember right. in uh, what was the problem we had in a different uh, in a different show? We were talking about how they just don't sell any of the tension, so we don't feel it, so we're not engaged. Um, 
Was it He-Man? Was it Sheep in the Big City? I don't remember. Chalk Zone. Chalk Zone, that's right. You're right. So in Chalk Zone, we, we didn't feel the tension. The characters didn't sell it. Here, the characters sell it very well. Yeah. Even though they play up, they play up the fourth wall so much that we never really worry about them. But we're able to kind of dip in. Like they stop doing the fourth wall thing when they're in the haunted house, right? Yeah, they they're they're completely enveloped in the plot, and it really sells it to the audience, right? And it's it's um, you know, when you see somebody get hurt, slapstick is one of those things where the violation is built in. Somebody getting hurt, oh, that's not funny. <laughs> but the benign part of it, oh, they're not actually taking any damage. They are, you know, flattened into like an accordion kind of thing. <laughs> yep. And that's what makes it funny. But if it's you started seeing like... Without thinking, oh, he's going to need PT like crazy after that. Exactly. <laughs> Which is why I couldn't watch that show you tried to show me once, uh, Super Jail. Super Jail. That was where David who tried to show me Where they're just it. ripping off people's arms and I'm like, this is just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I have to think about what a guy with no arms has to go through. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks there a lot. There was one part in Johnny Bravo a long time ago. I watched it and he was like, he was like bound up in this hospital because he got hurt like pursuing the babes or something like that. And <laughs> nice, this uh, nice voice. <laughs> there's a there's like yeah he probably wouldn't use the word pursuing, but uh, <laughs> too big <laughs> roofing the babes. Um, they, there was this one uh, doctor there who was like an Igor who was talking about all the awful experiments he'd perform on him and. Johnny was unable to leave the hospital. He just had to watch as this crazy doctor described like yes. sandpapering his skin and injecting him with chemicals and removing his organs. And I'm just like, I am so scared right now. <laughs> I, need I am mom. not dealing with this. <laughs> and I think that's why that's one of the reasons why people have different senses of humor, because what you consider a violation or how strong it needs to be to yeah, like block subjective. out the benignity, like any brain switching plot freaks me out so much that... <laughs> I, I find it difficult to enjoy, mm. um, yeah, especially if your brain's put in like a monster or something, well, or pretty honestly, much anything with Invader would, Zim. That would bother... Well, I think that was just an atmosphere thing. Here, it's so for, for breaking the fourth wall that, again, you understand that, oh, they're going to get their brains back in the end. Everything's going to be fine. Just, right. you know, you can kind of power through it. It is such a beautiful light and and consistently light that when it goes into darkness you're like okay they're, they're gonna get out of it they're gonna there's a there's a light at the end of this tunnel zim <laughs> for, will literally be dead by the end of the episode for for reference um another thing that uh, they mentioned in the book is that they tried to get like robots and computers to to make jokes but <laughs> yeah. computers like couldn't understand this concept of what was benign and what was a violation and how they could go together. Okay. And so really all that computers are capable of coming up with in terms of jokes is like puns. That's awesome. And yeah, and like would, combining funny no things. <laughs> Pun robots. <laughs> Bet you didn't calculate that joke, villain. <laughs> uh, it's never going to get tired. But I think that's... What separates a good episode of Looney Tunes from a bad one, if it feels like it was put together just like, here's a reference, here are the characters, here's the way they're going to get hurt. You think the serious plots are really good? I I do. And I think the fact that they're in danger makes the jokes in them more funny. I think that's that's probably true. I think that's probably a strength, especially because, like, we're... You know, we're we're kind of glamorizing Looney Tunes, but if you go back and watch them, you only have to watch one of each flavor of Looney Tunes, and you kind of have them all. 
They just sort of repeat themselves. <laughs> and then watch everything with Foghorn Leghorn because his voice yes, is beautiful. Because, well, that I mean, every every everything with Foghorn Leghorn is sort of a singular expression unto its own. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like all the different faces of Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> yeah, he really kills it every time. Um, so other things for tone and genre. Um, well, I think it's hard to talk about talk more about what makes the atmosphere work without going into specifically the audio and the animation. I maybe, but I would I wanted to say a couple of things because we've mostly been talking about Looney Tunes, but I wanted to talk a little bit about Tiny Tunes specifically. Okay. Sure. Because I think it really gets a lot of good surreal humor that maybe Looney Tunes didn't. Um mm-hmm. maybe, maybe just it's a little bit more modern, like it's a little bit more modern subversive. Um instead of like a wabbit season, duck season, duck season, wabbit season, like you get you get this weird plot like again it's with the deeper plots, you start to get opportunities for weirder jokes. Yeah, um, and, and another part of it is just uh, the worlds that they're building. You know, in Tiny Toons, you get, uh, you know, a bunch of different characters interacting with each other, cameos from celebrities, stuff like that. <laughs> in Looney Tunes, an episode could just be, here's Bugs Bunny, here's a random villain. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so... Uh, as an example of some of the best surreal humor I've seen is that, uh, do you happen to watch the start of darkness episode from Montana max in the citizen max episode? I did not Kane bit. That was actually really cool for a <laughs> couple of reasons. And it, this is actually, I've referenced this before this stuck with me, um, where it shows that max used to be a really poor kid and was friends with Buster. And, uh, it's kind of heartbreaking at the beginning because it's like in a snowstorm and they're biking. They're, they're like, biking through like this snowstorm and they're like really cold and stuff and then he's like hey buster you want to come in for soup and he pulls out this boot like they're gonna cook it in a pot because that's <laughs> what people did <laughs> oh yeah that's right <laughs> and uh it's just like oh okay but then mom's uh then max's mom hits the lottery pulls up in a limo and he's like, no more of that, no more of that boot garbage for you. And then he, she like pulls out like Doc Martens, just <laughs> like only the best. <laughs> They're gonna go eat eat soup made out of designer dress shoes. <laughs> I'm just like, that is a really good joke. <laughs> it's not what you were expecting, certainly. Yeah, no, like uh, like there's a few times where it'll just you know it'll adhere to the Looney Tunes formula like eating something made out of a boot that's Looney Tunes all over and then it'll just it'll it'll up the stakes yeah it'll go on over the top it'll you know spin it in a new direction and that's always really funny yeah um I also thought that the show had some nice social indignance at higher society in what way I mean, I know they hate Montana Max because he's rich, but yeah. The, well, that that's sort of a macro argument, but like, there's a there's a bunch of little moments where they just kind of poke fun at like pop culture and celebrities, etc. Um, at one point, they go to a fancy restaurant, and the entire thing is just like fancy restaurants are dumb, but they do it in a bunch of different ways. Like, you have to wait three years to get on the reservation list, and he has to bribe the the garçon or whatever to get oh, into yeah. the restaurant. Yeah, and, they're really uh, distrusting of like business yeah and, and high and society and, uh, i i did watch one episode where bubs uh, uh buster goes to bubs bubs combining everybody's name yeah where bubs from homestar runner <laughs> jumps into the scene <laughs> just piano keyboard um plays where a nice bus- little ditty on it <laughs> where buster um goes to get a new bike and the bike salesman is like this like really sleazy car salesman named bicycle bob yeah bubs <laughs> yeah oh hey buster 
I was just fixing up this here bike. <laughs> I just love one line because <laughs> it was confusing. It's um, Bicycle Bob will eat a bucket of scorpions if he doesn't give you the business. <laughs> <laughs> like what exactly is being offered here? <laughs> well, it's like a, it's like a UHF. Like uh, if you don't buy, I'm Crazy Eddie and I'll club this baby seal to make a better deal. <laughs> eat a bucket of scorpions. A bucket of scorpions, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Although yeah. it's kind of weird that they would eat an animal considering they're all animals. There's a weird Pokemon. I'm not getting into that. <laughs> I'm not yeah, dealing I, with that in this episode, in this uh, this show. There's too much. There's too much else to focus on. But I did want to point that out. Yeah, the you know the scorpion could just be like it's a living. <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> womp 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 womp. Um, um. <laughs> yeah, there, there's another point of social indignance where it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Montana Max in his start of darkness is running for class president, because why not? Because <laughs> Citizen Kane. Yeah. Um, and Bab shows up in a in a costume and like shakes his hand and is like, "You're so corrupt. We're thinking of hiring you for higher office." Okay. <laughs> okay, Tiny Toon Adventures, getting the little social dig in. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the startup of a lot of jokes. Like, you're so corrupt. <laughs> you might be a politician. Yeah. Um, you don't have to do that again. No, I I never noticed that. Yeah, it does have a lot against um against social uh like rich people and and that sort of social indignity, but also it has a lot of environmental messages. Um yeah. you know, don't burn down the trees. I remember that being an important episode. Don't uh, you know, why are you stealing this oil or something? I don't know. And don't drink beer. Yeah, don't Did no beer. Did you see that one? No. Oh man, let's get into animation because I I have a lot to say about beer. Okay, this is going to require some lead up, so s- stay with me. <laughs> I'll try. Um, okay, so there is this sort of thing in 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 this universe where they abandon, where e- even in Looney Tunes, where they'll abandon physics for the sake of the bit. Right? Of course. And it requires an incredibly high departure from a realistic setting, such that it's really, really hard to do a very special episode of Tiny Toon Adventures. Okay. I think I see where this is going. Yeah, and you really have to go all in with this sort of atmosphere because there's no way to do... Like, you said that, yes, you can do a dire plot. But you can't do it treating it... You can't treat it as an invader's in where everything actually is that dire and has consequences. You always have to loop it back to all's well that ends well. There's no uh-huh. way to do anything with any with any, with any, any sense of rea- realism to it. Sure. Um, once you have anything from Acme step in, like, you, you have to... You have to follow it through in a Looney Tunes way. You can't resolve it some other way. Right, right. And there was a band cartoon. <laughs> band? Yeah. It's really? Like four or five minute segment wherein uh buster plucky and hampton are like you know they're in the they're in the kitchen they're like hey what do you have to drink we got milk we got sunny d all right and then like (laughs) oh no hey wait the only thing left to drink is this beer and like they get really weird about it and buster has like little devil horns and he's like come on guys don't you like beer (laughs) and just like coaxes them into being the cool kids drinking on beer Yeah, and they all guzzle the shit out of it. <laughs> like, have this really weird montage of them, like, stumbling through nightlife with a bunch of, like, poker lights flashing everywhere. You you know those sort of Yeah, I know. I know about. what those look like. <laughs> and then they, like, go hit on Babs and, you know, Shirley Loon and whoever else. And it's, like, really creepy. And I guess you... it gets the point across then. <laughs> no, it doesn't. That's the thing. Because 
you, you're still seeing cartoon characters drinking beer. Like, if they were trying to get kids off of drinking beer, they you can't you can't offer them it in this show. Like, you have mm-hmm. to do it in a G.I. Joe knowing half of the battle sort of wrap-up at the end, where, okay, right now we're being serious. This is what's going on. Mm-hmm. You can't do your PSA and then have a bunch of jokes interspersed with it, because all kids I are going to yeah. remember are, hey, look at these cartoon characters having a good time drinking beer. Yeah, that was actually also um, that was also in the humor book. It said that, um, you know, if you try and do, like, a PSA with humor, people will remember it better, but they'll, they'll think it's the less humor. serious. They'll remember the humor. They'll remember everyone having a good time. Yeah. So that got banned. Deservedly um, so. They they kept in the episode where Bubs was about to commit suicide. Uh, Bubs, why do I keep wanting to call him Bubs? <laughs> where Buster was going to commit know. suicide. Um, hey there, Babs. <laughs> I'm Buster. <laughs> I'm Buster, and I got a deal for you. <laughs> Buster Bunny. No relation. <laughs> I don't know what that voice is. I cannot do that voice today. <laughs> Buster Bunny, no relation. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's that one guy from the Time Haters from Chappelle Show. <laughs> yeah, it's a Silky Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there was excuse me, Plucky. I gotta go home and fill up, <laughs> fill up Hampton J Pig's mama's dish. <laughs> um, I do. Re- so this one episode with um with Buster about to commit suicide. I don't remember that. It's, it's really pl- incredible. It's played though. like a uh, "It's a Wonderful Life" kind of thing. Oh my god! It, it's Christmas, and he ruined the pageant or something, and <sighs> he's standing on the edge of like the the of Acme Acres, like where the page stops and it just goes into blank void, and it's oh like Bubs is about to step out of the picture. Yeah, Bubs. Damn it! <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? I today? don't know. I want to say Bugs and Babs and Buster all at once. I want to live, Clarence. Zuzu's pedals. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. It's so funny, though. I love imagining Bubs in this scenario. <laughs> I'm Bubs sorry. just showed up everywhere as a cameo. I didn't mean to do this. <laughs> it's okay. Now that you mentioned another reference, like, I feel like I have to point out some of the other references that are that are that happen in this show. Sure. Um, they do The Shining, they do Twilight Zone, they do Citizen Kane, they do Indiana Jones, complete with name-dropping Spielberg, yeah. and it happens twice. They bring like, him on stage. Well, the thing is, I like the idea that this cartoon is also a vehicle for um, getting kids who were not privy to this pop culture, oh. just kind of giving them, just just giving them just like a hook. Like, if you like this, maybe you'll look up what spawned it. Get hooked on Spielberg early. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, guys, you want to try Spielberg? Not even <laughs> once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Homestar, you want to try this Spielberg? <laughs> God damn it. Got it fresh daily. Just ground it myself. You. <laughs> Still got some chunks of beer in it. <laughs> um, Did you have anything you wanted to say about animation? I think uh, one of the reasons that they were able to get away with more surreal stuff than in the original Looney Tunes is it is a far more open and fantastical animation. Um, you know, I, I keep thinking back to the 
you know, duck season, wabbit season, and that is <laughs> in an autumn forest, and it looks like an autumn forest. Here, mm-hmm. everything's like purple and green and like weird shades of everything, and there's you know, and they have a biome the for every occasion. Yeah, absolutely. So they can change the setting like 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 nothing. Sometimes they just Bugs Bunny kind of always took place in in some sort of forest. They'll just pull. They'll reach their hand off the edge of the screen and pull in a new setting. Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, yeah. But the the show it's really does so look good. Goddamn good. Apparently, they had more than twice the normal cells than a normal cartoon does. Like, like Looney so... Tune animation look good, right? Yeah, not crazy. Fine. But this looks so much better. Like it's just so much more smooth. It's and really alive. fluid. And again, it's just speaking to that you know Renaissance period of animation that I was talking about. You're not using <laughs> the limited animation. You, you're oh. using. These beautiful hand-drawn, cell-shaded masterpieces that uh, just—it's just everything is so detailed. All the characters have so much personality through their motions. Like, I still like the idea Lucky of Duck like moves like a brash son of a bitch. You know, <laughs> he doesn't move like a character who's going to give you a PSA at the end. He he moves I, like you expect him to. I still like the idea of a board of directors like sitting around a big table, and one of them just like, "Wait, guys, what if we make it good?" <laughs> what do we like try to make it look good <laughs> johnson you're a loose cannon <laughs> hey guys why don't we just make it better <laughs> God damn, it. damn it who let him in <laughs> um yeah i'm just so, gonna put hope star runner in the outro I, I, it's something. weird because i feel like we keep wanting to reference bubs but neither of us can do a good consistent bubs voice <laughs> yeah i'm kind of doing a snap actually hey old bucko Hey there, Bucko. Snap would not be out of place in this uh, in this show, or in Homestar Runner. He could have been in that crazy cartoon, pretty easy. Oh yeah, sweet absolutely. cup and cakes. Um, anything else on animation? I I mean, there's I, I could I could go on. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, well. like I think I've already said pretty much everything I wanted to say. Probably in no particular order. I uh, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, everyone. So that I is might, okay. I might be um, jumping around a lot where I shouldn't be. I'm a little jittery. I do want to reemphasize, uh, in addition to, you know, pulling out the stops on animation, the the audio, I, I said before, they had a full orchestra mm-hmm. doing this, and they bring yeah. in clips of, like, famous music, like Night on Bald Mountain, or Hall of the Mountain King, you know, Romeo and Juliet kind of thing, like, sure. really classical pieces of music that are instantly recognizable, like, in terms of the emotions that they're trying to show. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, it it puts you right in whatever scene they're trying to craft because again, classical m- music can do anything. Yeah, it's just such a you, you can't like, you know, it, it's kind of harder to like wrap yourself into a love scene, but like you can you can do uh you can do classical music to slapstick, you can do it to to romance, you can do it to drama and high stakes action, you can do it wherever. Now here's what I really. What really impressed me about it is they had the full orchestra, and then they also had sound effects, like a sound effects team doing stuff that you wouldn't hear from an orchestra. Really? Yeah, so um, I'm having trouble thinking of any examples, but there were at least a few times where I was like, that doesn't sound like any possible instrument, you know? It's Yeah. It, they they really mean, put in a lot of quality on this one. Looney Tunes also had the orchestra. That's true. That's true, so, like, but that it, that was more common back then, I think. That's like, true. Looney Tunes was originally, like, merry melodies. Like, it was all about the music. Can you imagine if they tried to modernize the music as well? Like, rather, than make <laughs> it, rather than make it classical? 
just there's a techno soundtrack to the back of background yeah, of every episode. <laughs> just chalk zone, weird beeping and booping music. Everybody's voice is auto tuned. <laughs> I was gonna try to do auto tune bubs, but there's no way. <laughs> I was also going to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's man, this this music is so good though. Classical music, yeah. I'm always a fan of. Like, we were both in classical band as, you know, high school students. Foundations in Music was one of my favorite classes. What's that? Foundations in Music was one of my favorite classes, and I mm-hmm. still value, like, the music that I got from those. <laughs> I've always had incredibly good rhythm. Like, I, I, you, can, you can set your watch to just my internal metronome, but, you know, just uh, something about this, something about the orchestra. I don't know. I'm... I'm just such a huge fan of classical music that every time I was listening, I was very, very happy. I, mean, I just, it's just really impressive because when you think, I, I want you to think about it. They had to align, you know, the music and the sound effects and like, you know, oh, the flute's going up, it's doing that little boo and the animation and the voice actors and all connect them. Like, I can't even imagine, like, where do you start trying to make that a cohesive whole? But they do it. bones, you're out of pitch. <laughs> Let's take it from the top. Oh, one and a two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I just watched an episode where Buster and uh, the T-Rex were running toward each other because uh, to that music. And, yeah <laughs> you know it was just to sink you into that joke you know into that reference because everyone's seen that before that's the joke you know yeah. that two two romantically inclined people running toward each other but now it's buster and his pet and they were running toward each other like that and you're like okay something something subversive is gonna happen but i don't know what it is yet and then the t-rex just keeps running and just smashes buster flat in a way that i'm sure made you cringe <laughs> <laughs> and i'm just like yeah it's pretty funny it's not so nice. bad yeah, yeah. Like even when you see the joke funny, uh, even when you see the joke coming, you still kind of like I'm saying it's just a performance. You know how that there's going to be a joke, and you know the result, but you just don't know how it's going to play out in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're yeah. sort of like it, rather than seeing the characters do it, you're sort of seeing the writers kind of do it. <laughs> you're like, what are the writers finding funny? Yeah. It's very easy to see the code behind this matrix. I found. Uh, anything else? I, I did have one more thing to say in music, which is just, uh, I'm not sure if you remember the music videos. <laughs> I do. <laughs> there are a couple of them. There's one for Particle Man. There's one for Insta- Istanbul, I guess. Uh, yep. I guess they might be giants or just huge fans or the other way around. And they they also did um, some more classics like uh, Respect they did, I remember. Uh, did they? I don't really j- remember j- they, that one. They did, just a little bit. Okay. Yeah, and I always, always, oh, they did Yakety Yak? They did a bunch of them, actually. Yeah, they did a bunch and, of uh, songs. And again, it's using this vehicle of animation to get kids to listen to stuff that's good. <laughs> yeah. Right? We did it for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, kids are going to want to watch that eventually. Get them hooked early. Get them hooked early. And it worked. But, <laughs> but now we're getting them hooked to They Might Be Giants. Absolutely. I still love They Might Be Giants. I don't have a fucking clue what Particle Man's about, but this was the start of me listening to them. So it's about a man what's a particle. And, and what is a particle versus a man what am I trying? <laughs> yeah. And they have a love story halfway in that's really discontinuous with the rest of the musical music video. I love, I love Triangle. Ooh. <laughs> I got shivers. Love Triangle Man. I love Triangle Man. There's something there. 
I, I don't care to talk about it too much right now, but there's something there. <laughs> we can bring it back. <laughs> Write it down in the notebook. I got you some triangles. <laughs> I just got a new shipment of triangles. <laughs> I don't know what voice we're trying to do anymore. Tom Waits? I don't know. <laughs> Something's going wrong. Yep. We should wrap up. Steve Buscemi. <laughs> yeah. Um... Uh, yeah, we we can we can wrap up. I uh, I think that's all I have to say about music and sound, and I I don't really have any other details. I think we already talked about. Well, let's have some closing remarks though, because this is such a singular work, and it's our kind of first touchstone to Looney Tunes to Warner Brothers, like really really hard sure. Warner Brothers. Because absolutely the Renaissance. I wanted to say that the Renaissance age of animation was mostly characterized by Disney, but Warner Brothers. This was like a huge feather in its cap. Absolutely. Um. I think this this show in particular, you know, might not be as well regarded or remembered, but mm-hmm. it it certainly spawned a lot of things that are. Um, so just the fact that Animaniacs came out of this, and then Pinky and the Brain out of that, and then Freakazoid out of that, like yeah, they're all like, I mean, with uh, with accepting Freakazoid, Pinky and the Brain, and Animaniacs are all kind of these ensemble reference engines. Yeah, absolutely, and <laughs> it it's really interesting to just see that lineage go all the way back to the 30s totally and then i like the idea of warner brothers and disney like just fighting it out over the years <laughs> going <laughs> back to Bu- going back to bugs bunny versus like mickey mouse yeah and then each iteration you know warner it- season disney season <laughs> talk about the space race between you know america and japan this is <laughs> and i love that the- i love what came out of that competition though because like whether or not we still like this show, and you know what, my mind is honestly not made up. I, I appreciate parts of it, and I just didn't appreciate other parts of it. But whatever, whatever our feelings are toward this show in particular, I am so happy that I'm awakened to this other, this other realm of animation. Like just turning my brain onto all of these ideas that would have gotten lost in history otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. This revival is so much appreciated by by me personally. Yeah, and it's it's nice that. Even if you don't like the show itself, you can see that it has a lot to offer. Mm-hmm. So, good stuff. I am yeah. thankful for. <laughs> yes, <laughs> happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We are thankful for more old references. <laughs> we're, we're thankful for Wabbit season. And, and uh, in particularly, we're thankful for Duck season. <laughs> Wabbit season. Duck season. Wabbit season. Duck season. Duck season. <laughs> Wabbit season. I'll get you a Steve. Wow. Like, for how many references this show has, it's basically like if we made a cartoon. Because <laughs> like. that's kind of all we're doing anymore is just making references. Yeah. I, uh, I had a thought that the Carton cast is basically just like a cross between Tiny Toon Adventures and like an eighth grade lit paper. Yeah. <laughs> I think is pretty accurate depiction. Did, did you not write about Tiny Toon Adventures in your eighth grade lit papers? <laughs> I was actually. I remember for the uh, for the SATs, I wrote a personal essay about my hero Brian Clevenger from a. Uh, oh really? Of a uh, yeah, nuclear power fame. For we my actually, college application essay, I just wrote about how I'm similar to Superman. That's really awesome. Did you <laughs> read Superman or He Man? Uh, <laughs> Superman. Bam Bam Yosemite Sam. The the Clark Kent one. Correct. <laughs> Did they do a Superman spoof in uh, Tiny Toon Adventures at all? Yeah, absolutely. I don't remember it, but I'm sure it happened. 
Uh, they did a Batman reference. It was like... They did a lot of Batman references. Like, Bat boy, come here. And it's just a superhero who has a lot of bats that he stores in his chest. Nice. But, Buster just grabs one and goes to, like... Way to I save know, it. Baseball it. Yeah, pretty much. Beat them with their own kind. Beat them with their own kind. <laughs> Take a bat, throw it back at the others. What time is it? Be- time to beat them with their own kind. <laughs> That's one of the funniest crack things I think I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, well, I think our referenceometer has officially broken. Shall we? Yep, uh... we <laughs> yeah, we are now just talking to each other and not doing a podcast anymore, so maybe it's time to wrap up shop. Shall we reference the next uh, episode? Let's absolutely do that. So, so we uh, are Zane, going your, to... your turn next. Yep, we are going to be looking uh, at something completely different, again. the uh, Case Closed also yeah. known as Detective Conan, which uh, I've been watching a few episodes of. It's really good. Yeah, I was actually surprised that Tiny Toon Adventures, I thought it was going to be much, much, like I thought it was going to be much more of a home run, whereas in fact it was just kind of good for some reasons, but not something I enjoyed watching. Case closed, I'm pretty sure I'm going to enjoy watching. It like, is. Through and through. It is on all counts a home run if you <laughs> don't mind watching people get brutally murdered. Which I don't. Yeah, and then they just... Bring a little kid around and like, hey, what do you think about this brutal murder? Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, four children watch. It's <laughs> a beautiful. I'm thing. not going to stop talking about that either. Uh, and uh, what are we doing for our extra special 25th? Okay, for our silver anniversary, um, we are going to be taking a a little bit of a offshoot from our regular format. Yes, gonna, I heard that we were going to try something called the uh, scrambled section. We're going to have the scrambled with an, again with an apostrophe because that's how we do. <laughs> uh, we're going to have a scrambled segment where we explore some other venues of animation. I'm not sure whether it's going to be specifically this. Uh, every 25th, but for this one, I wanted to do something from the puppet genre of, it's not quite animation, <laughs> but I kind of wanted to check it out anyway, because there's something there. Right. And uh, due to popular demand, and because people were were uh, hyping it so strongly whenever I brought up the idea of doing it, we're going to watch Cousin Skeeter. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Which Skeeter's you, the one for me. <laughs> <laughs> he knows how to get down and knows how to party. <laughs> it's just watch the theme song. It's really incredible. I don't yeah. know what we're gonna talk about, but it should be should be different. Should be good. Yes. Yeah. And uh and, and you know, we're not married to the idea of watching puppet shows. This is more of a no strings attached kind of uh arrangement. Yes. Thank you for that pun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we, that was what uh, that was what our first segment was going to be called, to give you all a peek behind the curtain. However, it wasn't egg-themed and had to be uh, <laughs> unfertilized. Sure. Uh, anyway. Now I'm just thinking about Foghorn Leghorn again. Now I say, I say, I gotta fertilize these eggs somehow. <laughs> now I say, sell- I say. <laughs> Let me sell you some fertilizer. <laughs> just get Foghorn Leghorn and Bubs just talking to each other about... The- like various products that the, Foghorn Leghorn bought from him and trying to return. Our new show, yeah. The Very Odd Couple. <laughs> now I say I bought this vacuum cleaner. I say I bought it from you yesterday. Couldn't it couldn't clean a hay in a needle stack. <laughs> what? <laughs> Foghorn Leghorn, are you okay? <laughs> uh Alright. Yep. Well, until next time, stay loony. Stay, stay toony. Be safe. Yeah, uh, you know, happy Thanksgiving and all that, and, um...
I don't know. I feel like we should do some sort of out, like, yeah. I, I'm usually pretty on the ball with the like, outro things to, if, to, if the, you to did, the team. If you didn't enjoy this episode, we'll eat a bucket of scorpions. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. <laughs> this is just fine. Bubs, you're Dr. White. I think a bug flew into the side of my mouth. I'm afraid the good times are over. A doctor, eh? I think I might be one of those. Let me take a look. What do we got here? Bell bondsman? Paranormal investigator? Normal investigator? Oh, here we go. Dr. Bubs. Let's take a look at you. Ah. Uh, mm. Okay. Okay. Yes, yes. Hey. Interesting. Okay. I've got terrible, terrible news, Homestar. Oh, no. Is it about the good times? I'm afraid you've got no pancreas, but I do happen to have a fresh one for sale right here. <laughs>